Hebrews chapter 2 and the verse 10. I want to leave with you part of this verse. But we'll read all the verse. It became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things and bringing many sons on to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. It is the expression the captain the captain of salvation. Here the Lord Jesus Christ is given this name. He is the captain of his people. And tonight we want to think about that word captain. About its meaning, its implications. What are we to make of this word? Now it's not found a lot of times in the Bible. Four occasions the Greek word behind this English word captain is used. Twice in the Acts of the Apostles and twice in this epistle itself, the epistle to the Hebrews. And in the book of the Acts, it is translated prince. You have that in chapter 3 verse 15. And kill the prince of life. Jesus Christ is the prince of life, the captain of life. And then in chapter 5, verse 31, him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince. That's a word again, a prince and a saviour. So twice it's translated prince in the Acts. And then in Hebrews chapter 12, it occurs again, and there it is the word author. Looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. The author of faith. Putting these names together, these English words together, we come up with the meaning of a leader. One who is at the beginning, at the front. A prince. One who is over all. The Old Testament scripture says concerning Messiah that he is given to be a leader and a commander of the people. And that's a good Old Testament text for this word captain of our salvation. Now today we use the word captain to suggest the leader. You have it in sports amongst teams where there are team sports Every team has a captain who is overall, one in charge. But sport is not in view here, of course, in Hebrews. And then in the military, in the British Army, the captain sits in rank between lieutenant and major. And the captain is one who is over a company of soldiers, maybe 120 officers and soldiers of various ranks. But again, army and military is not in view here in the word captain in chapter 2 of Hebrews. But what I believe is in view in this section and in much of Hebrews is the image or the motif of a journey, of pilgrims making a journey to heaven 
a journey to glory, a journey to the promised land. And so we have throughout this epistle, the Christian is on a sojourn. And I think that's the context of the word here. Notice the verb bring in the verse 10. In bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect. So the captain is bringing sons to glory. There are believers who are being brought and to bring Sometimes, for example, Paul said to Timothy, bring, bring him with you. Bring him on the journey. And the captain, he brings the pilgrims on the journey. He leads the pilgrims. He travels before them. He goes before them. So there is a journey and there is this sojourn. And there's no sojourn without a leader. Whenever the pilgrims traveled, they might not all of you the land, they might not all of you the roads, but there would always be someone at the front leading who knew the way and the direction to go. And Jesus is the leader, the captain leading the pilgrims. And more than just the leader, there's more to it than that. I think a good word to translate this is the word pioneer. He's the pioneer of our salvation. Whenever you have unknown and unexplored lands, people just can't go there, you know. People can't just travel with North America. People didn't just go to North America. Years and years ago, it was unknown. They didn't even know there was land away across the Atlantic. There were people who thought you'd fall off the end of the world. And they're not going to go there because of the fear of falling off the end of the world. But there were pioneers who went into the unexplored, into the region beyond, and led the way. People like Christopher Columbus, and he's a famous pioneer, a famous navigator. And then after him, all the, all the people traveled. All the people went to North America. They all emigrated. But it all started with the pioneer, with the Captain Columbus. And was the same with Australia and New Zealand. There was James Cook, Captain James Cook. And he went out as the pioneer and he he, he mapped Australia and he mapped the Pacific Islands and he mapped New Zealand and now the people can go because he was the pioneer. And the same in the United States of America. They all sort of settled on the, on the east and they had to eventually migrate to the west but it was a great unknown, the great beyond and there had to be pioneers who had to go before to map out the land, to explore the land, to find the way through the territory. Men like Lewis and Clark and others who were the pioneers, the navigators. And of course these pioneers, they were all courageous and they didn't turn back and they had all the resources behind them of government 
Christopher Columbus, the Spanish government, and Lewis and Clark, the United States government, they had all the resources behind them as they went out as pioneers. Well, to get to heaven, the unexplored beyond, we need a pioneer. Notice I do not say pioneers. The text does not use the plural because there's only one captain, only one pioneer, only one who can bring us to glory, only one to go before and to lead the way and to cause all the many sons to migrate after him. Only one. And that one is Jesus Christ our Lord. Now to pioneer the way to heaven for us, He had to come to us, didn't he? He had to be made man and flesh and dwell among us. And that's what Paul has been focusing on, the incarnation. The necessity of the incarnation. The necessity of him becoming man. The necessity of him being made man so that we, his brethren, he might bring to this migration to glory. So Christ, before the incarnation, he has the glory. He's not just leading to glory for himself. He has all the glory. He had the glory with the Father before the world was. He knows what glory is and he knows where glory is. He has the glory of God himself The glory of the Godhead. The glory of the Creator. The glory of the only begotten of the Father. He has all of that glory. However, he wants to bring sinners to the glory with him. Men and women and boys and girls, people like you and me. He wants to bring humans to glory. Not angels. No, not angels. Angels don't need to be brought to glory. The angels, the unfallen angels, are already in glory. They don't have to be brought there. And the fallen angels, he does not will to bring to glory. But he wills to bring men to glory. He wants to pioneer for them the way to heaven. And so he becomes man. You see what it says there in verse 16? It's a very important verse. Verily, truly, he took not on him, and you'll notice him, the nature of his, in brackets and italics, it's not in the original, but it, it is, he took on him, he took on angels. He did not take on angels, but he took on the seed of Abraham. And you see that word took, That means to take hold of. Why would he want to take hold of men? Why would he want to take hold of the seed of Abraham? Why would he want to take hold of his brethren and take hold of his believers? He wants to take hold of them to bring them, to bring them to glory. He didn't take hold of angels. The unfallen angels, he didn't take hold of them. He wasn't incarnate as an angel to take them but no as a man to take us sinners to glory. So this being taken suggests being taken by the hand. He, 
He didn't take angels by the hand, but he took, he took the seed of Abraham. Remember how the Lord said, the covenant that I made with thy fathers in the day when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt. That's what God did. He took the children of Israel by the hand and he led them out of Egypt. And Paul is saying, he didn't do that to angels. He's done that to the seed of Abraham. He took them, took men. And in order to do that, he had to be a man. He had to come among men. He had to have a hand wherewith to take them and to bring them and lead them. He had to be the pioneer. Had to be incarnate. I think of uh, Lot and his wife. You remember how they lingered and they were hesitant. And what did the angels do? They took the hand of the wife and they took the hand of the two daughters and they laid hold upon the hand of Lot. The Lord being merciful unto them and they were all led out by the hand. They were all held by the hands and led out of Sodom. And that's what Jesus Christ does. He leads them by the hand to heaven. Now another word that the apostle uses in Hebrews, not the same word, but a similar word to express something similar. You have it in chapter 6 and the verse 20 where we read whether the forerunner is for us entered. That's into heaven. The, the forerunner. Jesus is the forerunner. He, he's run before. He's away in the front. He's gone first to prepare the way for us. The going before. That makes us think of the scout. You know, whenever they're scouting out a land, they send one before, a forerunner, the scout, the pioneer. And at the heart of this journey are two things, incarnation and atonement. He has to be man. He has to make the journey through death and in the death make atonement and then raise from the dead and ascend up into the glory the everlasting glory. That's, that's the journey he had to make as the pioneer. And we who are joined to him by faith are on that journey. The same journey. Buried with him in death. Resurrection in the heavenlies with him. We're there provisionally in Christ. But what I'm saying is Jesus had to come where we are first. He had to join us on our journey of suffering and death. He had to take hold of us and by journeying with us he leads us through this path of suffering and death to glory. He was made perfect through sufferings. The perfect pioneer through it all. And he had to become man. That's the heart of it. Verse 14 For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood he also himself likewise took part of the same and so he was incarnate. Now that meant a condescension, didn't it? He has a glory. And so there's a humiliation in coming amongst us. And there is an identification with us and a participation of our nature and a participation of all our sufferings and all our trials and all the difficulties of life. He identified with all of that. He participated in all of that. He joined us in our journey of suffering. 
He joins us in our journey of trials and temptations. And praise God, he leads the way through it all. And he will bring us to glory through faith in him. And that meant, of course, making an atonement, a substitutionary death, conquering death, then his resurrection. That's the path he makes for us, bringing us, his people, with him through his cross. Now, whenever we think about the Old Testament exodus, because I think that's the backdrop in the mind of the apostle, and he goes on to talk about this in chapter 3 and chapter 4, when he, he refers to these Old Testament scriptures. But we're thinking of the journey, the pilgrimage, to the land of promise, which corresponds to glory. And we're thinking of the exodus and the pilgrimage that takes place through the wilderness. So the apostle has that in mind continually throughout this epistle. Pilgrimage, sojourn, and a great high priest with us all the while, and a pioneer through it all. And so the apostle has in mind God's people in bondage, like the bondage of Egypt. And they need a captain, a prince, a deliverer, one who will enter into their condition and bring them out. And Moses was like that. He was in the palace. He was happy with the glory of the palace. But he forsook all that. And he entered into the condition of his brethren. To bring them out. and To lead them through the wilderness. So th those are the kind of images that he has in mind. We need a deliverer. We need one who, to bring us out. Sinners are in bondage. In chapter verse 15 there it says... And deliver them. This is what the captain does. He delivers them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Bondage to Satan. Bondage to death. Bondage to him who has the power of death, that is the devil. All their lifetime sinners are in bondage. And Pharaoh, like the devil, holds the sway over them and the power over them. And there's this bondage of fear. The apostle calls it the fear of death. Men are terrified of death, you know. They don't like to talk about it. They don't like to think about it. They type, keep putting it in the back of their mind, but it has terrible fear for them. They know it's coming. And they will have that fear. And that fear will always remain if they don't have a pioneer who leads them through it. Jesus Christ. And so the pioneer went through death for us and leads us through it too, his people. So in the Exodus, the land of promise is far off, distant, unexplored, unknown. Then there's the bondage and the chains. How are they ever going to get there? How are they ever going to migrate to the land of promise? How are they ever going to know the way? It's far away. There's so much between, so much wilderness. And they're so poor. And the people of God have this inability to get there. The seed of Abram are powerless to break free of Pharaoh. Powerless to go out. Powerless to make the journey. Powerless to get to the land. Think of the power of the bondage that was over them. And they needed pioneers. And think of the different pioneers that they did have. Who were the pioneers that Israel had? 
There were many of them, you know, and they were very ineffectual. There was Moses. He was one of the pioneers to lead them out, and he did lead them out, but he didn't lead them in. He died, didn't he, before the land of promise? He didn't even go in himself. Moses was a pioneer that failed. Moses couldn't bring them in. And then the apostle, he goes on to speak about Moses. He also goes on to speak about Joshua. Joshua didn't bring them into that rest either. They perished in the wilderness. He's a pioneer that failed too. We need one greater than Moses. We need one greater than Joshua. These are the pioneers who cannot bring the people of God, the seed of Abraham, into the, the rest, the heavenly rest, the rest of promise. They fail in that regard. They haven't entered into the rest yet. And Joshua, he's called the captain, you will remember, the captain of the host of the Lord. I am come, he says. And then there were the twelve scouts, the twelve spies. Do you remember them? They're very near to the land of promise. And they sent forth these twelve pioneers, these twelve scouts that go before. But you know the story? They didn't agree among themselves. Unbelief prevailed. And they failed. They weren't brought in. Because none of these were the real pioneers of the seed of Abraham. None of these were the true captain of salvation. There was only one. The pioneer who dwelt in the tabernacle. The Lord of glory in the tabernacle. He was the true pioneer. He was the one that led them. He was the one who dwelt in the midst of them. Who tabernacled among them in that tent that Moses built God came down and tabernacled in the tent and the one in that tent pioneered the way. He led them. The cloud went up by day. The light went up by night to go before them through to the way. It was the Lord who was the pioneer. It was the Lord who was the captain of their salvation. It was the one tabernacling among us who brought us to the land of promise. In our fathers, Israel of old. And of course, the Bible teaches that, and we read that tonight. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through. He made the waters to stand as a heap. It wasn't Moses. It wasn't Joshua. It wasn't even the two believing scouts, Caleb and Joshua. It wasn't them. It was the Lord. He was a pioneer who overcome all the hurdles, who traveled through all the difficulties, who squashed all opposition, who overcame all temptations. It was the Lord who went before them by day and by night. Before them always, it was the Lord. Whenever John commences his gospel, he, he has a sense of this because he writes, the word was made flesh and literally tabernacled among us, tented among us. He became man. 
the pioneer among us. And he leads the way through the Jordan, through the Jordan River, in the baptism, through the wilderness temptations with Satan, through all the trials and temptations of life, never sinning, right to the cross where he dies on the cross for us, and we die with him and in him in our union to him. And he rises from the dead and we ascend with him because he's bringing us, he's leading us to glory. He's the pioneer, the true pioneer, pictured in the tabernacle and the Lord leading them through the wilderness and fulfilled in Jesus Christ, the captain of our salvation. And he had all the resources as the pioneer from heaven and from glory. He had all the resources of the Father behind him. Everything's given into my hands, he says. All things, he says, have been given to me by my Father. And he comes up, overcomes all obstacles, all hurls, all pearls. And he doesn't give up and he doesn't turn back. And he doesn't leave his job of pioneering. He finishes it all. He goes to the end. Even at the end, they try to get him to stop pioneering. They said, come down. If you're the son of God, come down. Leave the cross. But he wouldn't leave the cross because he's pioneering our salvation. He overcomes all. And he maps out the way. And he brings his people to glory. Now as I say, he brings his people to glory in three ways. He does it what we may call provisionally. He makes a journey himself from birth to resurrection, ascension and glorification. He makes the journey himself and those who are joined to him by faith are provisionally in him. So that even now we are with him in the heavenlies in our union to him because he's there, he's our head. We're here on earth of course literally but he's our head, we're joined to him by faith. We're members of his body and he is in heaven and we're there by virtue of him. That's what the Bible teaches. He's brought them provisionally to glory already. They won't perish. That's why they can't be lost. Because they're already provisionally there. And then secondly, he brings them spiritually. Now, we're Christians who are on the pilgrimage through life now and we're going to glory. Literally. And the Lord Jesus journeys with us and he goes before us and he brings us into the bosom of Abraham at the end of death. And then lastly, thirdly, it literally and eschatologically, whenever at the last day he, he raises them, us literally from the dead and brings us to the glory with him to be with him forever, bringing us to glory in those three ways. Only Christ does that. I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again and bring you unto myself. So do you see then, sinner, why you must believe in him? Why you must follow Jesus Christ? Why you must join him in his church? Because there's no getting to glory without following the pioneer without the migration with him and after him, by faith. So you must be a member of his body. You must be a believer in Jesus Christ. 
Without faith in Christ, you're not on the way. Without faith in Christ, you're not on the journey to glory. Without faith in Christ, you will pass through death. But it'll be a terrible death. It won't be a death with him. A death that will lead to glory, but a death that will lead to damnation without him. A Christless death. A death without the pioneer. A pioneerless death. Oh, you can't die a death like that. So take hold of Christ. Take hold of the pioneer, the captain of salvation. Say, Lord, even say, Lord, take hold of me. Take hold of me, the poor sinner, and bring me to glory. Like the dying thief, Lord, remember me. Lord, take hold of me and bring me to glory. And the pioneer said to the dying thief, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. The thief went with the pioneer. And so you also must ask the Lord to take hold of you by the hand and to bring you to glory. So reach out your hand of faith to Jesus to take hold of him to bring you through the death to the glory. The hymn writer puts it, Now let my soul arise and tread the tempter down. My captain leads me forth to conquest and a crown. A feeble saint shall win the day though death and hell obstruct the way. This is only because of the captain. Is he your captain tonight? Maybe so. For your eternal good and for the Lord's great glory. Let us pray.